Okay, welcome to episode 73 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. My name's Tony. Returning this week is an, an old buddy. Yes, be prepared to stare into the fist of Eamon Clark. Hello, dude. You right? Hello, Tony. How you doing? Good. I'm, uh, I'm in the mood for dancing. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. And romance. <laughs> well, news on that away. one. The script is with uh, the script is with Mr. Cumber currently. So we'll see what Fantastic. comes of that. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, you've got a new theme tune, you've got a new logo, uh, you've got a new website, you know, I'm just Jane McDonald, all this could be yours, you know. Yeah, one day, yeah, all one this day. promotion of the 118 weekly listeners could be yours, Jane, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the cover later, he's done a cover for it as well, it's just funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, good. How you been, man? You busy, aren't you? Yeah, fairly busy as we were last time, yes. Still doing lots of uh, lots of vaccinations, um, and uh, mentioned him last time. Gary Hill doing the same in Cambridge. Oh uh, yeah, so course, yeah, yeah, busy Hi, times. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I always imagine you you've got one of those sort of Defoe style plague masks on, you know, like the bit like it looked like a beaked bird wandering yeah, around like those, with a huge yes. syringe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the plague mask, the plague mask doctor is, uh, and that was a uh, there was a plague mask dr ghost popped up in the um haunting of bly manor on netflix i remember oh uh, was it uh, yeah yeah uh, okay yeah we've uh we we had a we had the drink and draw last night so we had um just an agreement that nobody was allowed to talk about television because there's just too many spoilery things at the moment um, right yeah yeah as you know about i think one division and all that thing just ended or something yeah so i had to watch one division last night so i wouldn't get spoiled basically so yeah uh, okay are yeah. you watching um you might like this are you watching um resident alien no is that good it's really good it's by um it's it's a, a dark horse comic um by peter hogan the british writer um oh yeah and it's an adaption on television but i don't really talk about television much but this is my favorite thing on television because i kind of and it and it's just a bonus that it's a comic you know um and it's about an alien who lands okay. with, the, with the intention of destroying the world but he takes on the body of a local doctor and he has to start being the do- local doctor in the local town and right. um, it's just it's really good man i suggest you watch it it's, it's on sky atlantic or something like that on now tv as well it's just oh, i can get that yeah i've got now tv just really cool good. yeah really worth watching okay talking of small towns um yes. growing up in a small town um what have you chosen for us to read this week dude so i've chosen i think possibly the first book that you and i have done from the 21st century this yeah. is the essex county trilogy from Jeff Lemire, uh, which I've got the three original graphic novels that oh, came okay. out in 2007, 2008. But I've also got the dis- digital collection of the whole thing, which you can get and read along for under a tenner, I think, or about that. Oh, is it? Oh, good. Yeah, oh, that nice one. So you bought these as they were coming out. So you're well ahead of the game because it's almost like this was almost, apart from Lost Dogs, his first big comic, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think I heard about these on that other comics podcast. I know you're a big fan of 11 o'clock uh, yeah. comics. Yeah. Um, and the one I listened to was Comic Geek Speak, and they yeah. did an episode, I think they did a couple of episodes about the first book, Tales from the Farm. Uh, and that's how I discovered them through that. But yeah, I know you've talked about comics podcasts and which ones people listen to. Um, that was the one I found this through. Yeah, so this is early yeah. stuff for Jeff Lemire. Really is. And funny enough, you talk about co- the podcasting there. The I think Comic Geeks beat is kind of 
the parent to a lot of podcasts because I think they had like a I'm going to say like a hundredth episode live get together, and I think that's where Vince and Dap and Jason Wood met. Right. I think I'm think I'm right in saying that. I know Jason's a listener. He'll probably correct me, but the I think I think that might have been the genesis for a lot of podcasts. I think Geek Speak. And I know when we had the first London Super Comic Con, I think they were involved in the organisation of it, weren't they? Is that right? They were. They're... Yes, they were part of the organisation. Uh, yeah, and you're quite right. They are they are the progenitor of several comics podcasts. I think everybody who listened to Comic Geek Speak went off and started a comics podcast, yeah. and then a lot of them have faded away over the years. But some are still going. And Eleven O'clock Comics is is the big one. Yeah. They're yeah. good guys. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good friends. I, I, they they kind of invited me on when we had Atomic Hercules two out, and it, yeah, they're really good guys. I got to tell you. Um, yeah, I listened to Comic Geek Speak. I, I have dropped off it. Is it still going? I'm not even sure. To be fair. Yeah, it is still going. It's slightly less frequent, and as the cast has changed over the years, but yeah, it's still going. Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice one. Good. Um, I came across this, um, as I told you when you messaged me, I got bought this when the collection came out, when the big sort of phone book collection came out, which I'm going to say was like 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, yeah. I got bought it by Mark, my, 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 my buddy Mark, and it had sat on my shelf since, and I hadn't read it. <laughs> oh, right. And yeah. you, got, you got it off the shelf for this. Yeah, yeah. And literally, I can see it. If I just look to my right, it's where it's been sitting for like the last six years or something since I rearranged those shelves. And right. um, yeah, I've been. I always look at it and think, oh, I must read that one day. And uh, yeah, you done well. You pushed me, pushed me into reading it, which was good. But it's nice to see your. Have you gone back and read Lost Dogs, which was his the one before it, wasn't it? No, I haven't actually. I mean, I I talked in our notes about which bits of Jeff Lemire I have read and which bits I haven't. Yeah. Um, but no, I've never come across Lost Dogs from before this. Uh, have you seen it? I have. I, well, I only. For this episode, I, I read, I downloaded it and started reading it. I haven't got very right. far into it. It's very, it's hard to say something's looser than this because the art in this is reasonably loose. But it's, um, you can see the evolution from that into this. This is much more polished, I think, in my in my view, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now. Um, okay. So what is? Did you want to just give us like a? What we'll do is, I know there's three main stories, but we'll delve a bit into each one as we go along. But did you want to just give an overview, Eamon, just what it's about? So this is Essex County, an area in somewhere in Canada, pretty much where Jeff Lemire grew up, southwestern Ontario, Canada, I think it is. Yeah, I, and, I did uh, in preparation. I did look up it on Wikipedia the area, and um, I thought, oh, there's got to be something interesting I can talk about. And but the most interesting thing I can find is it's the hottest place in Canada, occasionally. And the right. only, there were six six famous people named on the the Wikipedia pages. You get, you know, and the only person I recognised was Lemire. So they right. <laughs> yeah. I think one was an Olympian. Like I'm guessing the Winter Olympics is what I'm guessing. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, right. mate. I interrupted. That's right. So this is small town life. Uh, and these three books, I guess you could loosely describe them as sort of uh, tales of a family, an extended family that will work out a family tree as we get to the, um, the third book. And in fact, he yeah. actually prints the family tree at the end of the third book. Um, but a lot of that stuff is revealed to us. So this is not uh, it's not superhero comics, although the young boy in the first uh, book is obsessed with superhero comics himself. And he goes around wearing a cape and a mask all the time. Um, and they're, they're very sort of uh, it's a sort of ordinary. It's almost humdrum life stories and they're beautifully poignant and yeah. sort of 
touching and heartfelt. The other thing that struck me about this man is, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I get the feeling you're drawn to melancholic stories in a way. There's a couple that you've chosen. I mean, you could read this in the same on the same holiday as you read um, a couple of your other books, and, and it wouldn't feel un, you know wouldn't feel jarring. Um, is this, are you drawn to this sort of thing? Do you think? I'm, you know, I get very emotional about sort of stuff, and I <laughs> you and me both, yeah. Love. I mean, last time we talked about Swamp Thing and that very melancholic standalone issue where he basically pulls up the skeleton and buries it, and that's the whole thing. It's a ghost story, and in fact, the second volume of this trilogy is called Ghost Stories. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they are they are sort of touching and melancholic, and um, there's a lot of sadness in the books. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of heartbreak because. If we start with the first book, Lester is this, I don't know, he's about 10, 11 years old. Yeah. He's been, he's gone to live with his uncle on this farm in Essex County because his, his mother is dead and he doesn't know who his dad is. And um, there's quite a lot of loss and grief throughout the three books. You know, there's, yeah. people, you know, there's people who die at a young age and leave orphans Um there's a pair of brothers in the second story who are growing old and they've got this sort of feud where they haven't talked to each other for 25 years. So, yeah, I mean, it is melancholic. It's touching. It's very emotional stuff. I mean, there was that there was that thing in music for a while, the emo phase, yeah. where it was all about, you know, we want to talk about emotions. And this is very emotional comics, I think, Jeff Lemire stuff. Yeah, I get you. It is. It really is. The, the other thing is it reminded me of something we've talked about is Calvin and Hobbes, There's a, especially the book one. There's the the alien invasion, or it is, takes the takes the place of Hobbes in a way for that story. Yeah, today. yeah. Uh, so the kids preparing for an alien invasion, yeah. and he gets talking to this old guy who used to be a hockey player, um, and who sort of hangs out down by the river. And it's sad. You you think when you first hear that, you think, oh, that's going to take a dark turn, but thankfully it doesn't. And he he's he is as you say he's sort of building up for this alien invasion and he sees himself as the superhero who's going to save the world. Um, there is that sort of, as you say, Calvin-like fantasy world that he has. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And uh, you're right about that. Um, and they do hint that there's something sinister about the relationship. I think that the, the uncle is suspicious, isn't he? Yes. And, you know, there's so there's this guy, Jimmy LaBeouf, who used to be a hockey player, he got injured. He is described by the town as a bit slow. He now runs a garage. And then he sometimes goes down, I think he's going down fishing by the by the river. That's right, yeah. Uh, and he meets Lester, this young boy wearing the superhero sort of domino mask and the cape all the time. And the uncle's a bit, the uncle is sort of trying to prevent them being together for some reason. He doesn't want them uh hanging out together um and, and you do wonder if it's going to take as i say that dark and pleasant term but actually turns out you know both the uncle and jimmy labeouf basically decent guys who've got their own they, issues and damage and you know traumas yeah they've had a confrontation in the past don't they because i think at one point he says to him you're going to fight me you didn't turn out well before did it exactly uh, yes yeah. yeah didn't how did that turn out for you last time we tried yeah this yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic, and if it was me and it was my son, fucking hell, I wouldn't let him near any, anywhere near the river. Do you know what I mean to meet this? Yeah. Like, who I think my gran used to refer to as soft in the head son. 
You know, he's like, yes. he's a bit like yeah. that, isn't he? Um, he is. Yeah. And you do suspect there's something there, but there's, it, it's, it's, inc- the end of it is just so out, strangely touching, isn't it? The, because he plays along with this kid and his, his fantasy about fighting aliens. And we do get this sort of flight of fancy towards the end where the kid does sort of start flying and you think, Oh, what's happening here? Don't you? You know, I was thinking of, uh, you know, that film, that Michael Keaton film that won the Oscar Birdman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where he's got, you know, he's haunted by this superhero character he plays. And then at points in that film, he literally takes off the ground and flies. And Lester does that in this fantasy sequence yeah. where he actually sort of almost becomes the superhero that he dresses as yeah. and defeats the aliens. Um, and he also does that great thing because we get a comic within a comic because Lester, yes. like any kid who's obsessed with superheroes, draws his own superhero comics. And I did wonder, I never found this out. I did wonder if these were Jeff Lemire's own comics from when he was a kid. Yeah, I did. I wondered that as well. I've, I've listened to and watched a, a, quite a few interviews with him and he doesn't say that. Um, right. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all because they're, they're, they're drawn, you know, significantly realistically as if a kid had drawn them i suspect a kid probably some kid somewhere drew them i'm guessing you know yes yeah yeah it really looks like a 10 year old's comic doesn't it yeah so that comic within a comic thing that i know you messaged me about yeah and i like and i like that and the good thing about that is the dude does go this is really good you know he gives that kid that encouragement that he wanted um yes to work you know um never shows them Never submit your comic so to Jimmy everyone. Down anything. By the river. Yeah, never submit it to it because I would, I'd break it up. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that Jimmy is Jimmy nice. LaBeouf because Jimmy LaBeouf will say that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, so a couple of other things I was going to ask you about, man, is um, you're also I think you're drawn to com- in, in the same way I am. You're drawn to comics that take place in the snow. <laughs> There's a lot of snow in this one, and we had that Wolverine comic. We had obviously had the Calvin and Hobbes snow bits as well. We, I don't know. I just kind of like it. It's, it's Daredevil like... was in the snow as well, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I think when we did the Wolverine comic, you said you just like fights in the snow, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of harsh winter in Essex County. It might be the hottest place in Canada sometimes, but it's also they have these quite harsh, bleak winters. Yeah. There's a lot of snow. There's a lot of trudging through fields in boots and big thick padded jackets. Yeah. Um, there's a terrible moment where the kid runs away from home uh, and is sort of sheltering in some frozen shack somewhere. Um, and his uncle finds him. That's quite a sort of tender, sort of poignant yeah. moment as well. It's the it's the because um, the uncle's trying to desperately reach out to him, isn't he? And he keeps getting rebuffed because the kid's like damaged and has lost his parents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a technique that Jeff Lemire uses. So he uses the the kids comic within a comic, and then he does flashback sequences. And when he does the flashback yeah. sequences, they're in a sort of grey, lighter tone. Um, which reminded me of when Carlos Esquera did flashbacks in the Apocalypse War and he used the same sort of um, half-inked technique. Yeah. And one of the things we see, of course, is Lester's mother dying and on her deathbed saying to her brother, Kenny, uh, Lester's uncle, saying, you've got to take him. I can't have him go into a, you know, an orphanage. You've got to look after him. Yeah. And the kid, Lester, and his uncle had these sort of dinner time arguments you know they sort of uh, they get quite cross with each other at the dinner table and at one point the uncle shouts at him and says you know i didn't ask for this and the boy says neither did i yeah and it's a real sort of heartbreaking moment isn't it it really is and it's it's done really well it's 
having you know had a you know I my son he's now in his twenties but he was in his teens. We had those moments. You know I'm not going to lie to you. You know um, yeah. Well we're both dads aren't we? So we know every parent's had them. Yeah, they? yeah. exactly. Yeah yeah really good. Um, really well written. And the the other thing I wanted to point out is the the crow that um, appears throughout the book. Um, to me that. Uh, looks a little bit like the birds that you're you're old enough to remember this the birds that they used to have in finger bobs oh yes it's not a, they do look like finger bob puppets yeah they? not yes. a particularly realistic crow but a crow full of character in it and it, it it appears throughout the whole of the um the series and and it also in the um the big phone book collection i've got it's used as sort of chapter breaks as well they use they use the bird flying and stuff like that to illustrate the breaks and stories and stuff which i really liked i think it's a great little there's whole pages of it flying you know because it's just yes. a slowly crept out story at other times isn't it i was listening to jeff lemire on comic geek speak podcast talking about the crow and about how i don't think he had the entire trilogy mapped out when he started the first one yeah in fact he says he and, didn't know how it was going to end at all yeah 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 and he put the birds in it and then of course he then uh, I should mention this is Top Shelf Comics and Chris Staros, I think, is yes. it, who picks him up. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he uses the crow as a motif, uh, as you say, chapter breaks. And then there's a crow, literally a character in the last of the three books. Yeah. Um, that seems to. And I think it ends with the crow flying over Essex County, doesn't it? Oh, OK. I'll have to. Yeah. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I have to say, I think this is probably my favourite of the three books. It seems... The first one. Yeah, it seems more tightly storied, in a way. Um, right. The middle story, which we'll talk about in a minute, is the longer one, and the um, the last one kind of ties up a few loose ends and has a almost a twist in it, I think. Yes. So they, they are different, differently told narratives, but this one, I, th- I find it... Um, Maybe it's because of the first one I dived into and everything, but it just it's it's a a crisper story to me somehow. Uh, yeah, it's quite. I mean, it's a fairly slim uh, graphic novel. Right. Uh, it's got Jeff Lemire's very sort of scratchy, interesting artwork. It's got a wonderful cover on it of the Tales from the Farm of the boy sort of seen from behind you can see he's wearing his mask he's wearing gloves he's got this one splash of color the red cloak sort of blown out by the wind to the side it's a beautiful yeah. image but yeah the first volume is probably my favorite as well okay um it's so neat and well contained um but also just so heartbreaking you know this boy yeah. who's lost his mother he's pretty lonely he gets bullied on the school bus you can see you know that sort of because he's a bit of an outsider outfit yeah 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 exactly he's a bit of a sort of outsider and weirdo and he friend befriends jimmy LaBeouf down by the river with superhero comics and tales of aliens and so on yeah and yeah. The, the moment where LaBeouf is playing along with him and he's he's pretending he's been shot by the aliens and he's being pushed down the river on a, a raft or something and he gives yeah. him because LaBeouf has in his past been this he had a chance at the big time in the hockey league didn't he um, he did, yes. And he gives him his trading card, um, which is a bit dog-eared, and that's a lovely little moment. A really clever, nice little closure. You know, yeah, very well done. I thought. Um, yeah. Good. Um, I sort was of Viking funeral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was going to talk a little bit about the cover actually of the collected version. So, um, I think it may be the one, same one you've got on the digital, which is the um, the bottom third is sort of roots of a tree spreading out. Um, yeah. And 
have I edited a comic recently where the cover eyes submitted a cover and it was the backs of everyone and um I had to say to him that this doesn't work you know this is this is a comic we need to instill some kind of excitement in the reader to read it and um he went away and improved it very much so um but this um this does actually work so it's the backs of all the main players looking away it is and, yeah and because <clears throat> um because Lemire works so much in icons you know iconography for characters rather than detail and you know you can tell who everyone is you've got the red of the cloak you've got the hockey player you know the, just the hair of the um the the country nurse um is yes. so iconic isn't it and i really like that yeah. cover um uh, it's a brilliant cover and as you say you've got the tree roots sort of growing down the bottom lot the bottom half of the page and top right there's that crow again. yeah there he is yeah yeah as a little motif yeah yeah. Yeah. No, they're good. I like Chris Darris's work. I think I think Top Shelf have over the years consistently put put out stuff. Um, you know, if if I was going for sort of indie publishers, I think I'd put I'd put them just below Fantagraphics as being an interesting original, you know, experimental place to go to. And I think Lemire, I think Lemire suits them. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff. Um, should we talk a little bit about Lemire? Um, uh, so born in 1976. Um, oh, look at him! What a youngster, hey? Um, <laughs> Um, born unsurprisingly as you said in Essex County uh, grew up in the area and literally and, and decided initially to pursue a career in film before he, he committed to comics um, went to film school briefly in Ontario in 2005 so it's quite a late starter in the world of the people that you and I discuss generally yeah um, he created Lost Dogs um, with Ashtray Press won the Zerich Award 2008-2009 he created Essex County 2012, The Underwater Welder. Uh, back in 2009, he did The Nobody at Vertigo. So it's a slight change of pace. Um, for the, I think The Underwater Welder is... Is that top shelf as well, is it, Eamon? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sweet Tooth is probably one of his bigger known ones. Um, there's currently a um, pilot of that doing the rounds. I think it's been it's gone to series, but there's a pilot. I think if you know, if you know the right people, you can see it. Right. Um, he has... I have to say, I was blown away by the amount of stuff he's got out there um and the amount he's of... very prolific isn't super yeah really? super prolific yeah and a lot of it is a lot of it is stuff that i have just coincidentally read because i like the characters as well i think um just to go through some of his stuff uh frog catchers what came out through simon and schuster i know we we've both read that and that has a there's a through line between a lot of these books. They're not necessarily sequels, but I would say Lost Dogs, Essex County, Underwater World of the Nobody, and Frog Catchers is there's a through line, isn't there? Mostly because it's created, you know, he wrote and drew it, but there's somehow a I don't know how you put it. How would you join them up together? I know we talked a bit about it, didn't you? So they are all books about um, sadness and regret and uh, looking back on the past, maybe. And then they've all got... I, I mean, I don't want to say it make them sound too gloomy because they're all quite, in a way, quite uplifting and uh, rewarding reads. But yeah. they're all... They have that sort of... When he does his own drawn and written stuff there's a certain melancholy as you said before to all of them in a way isn't there yeah. and there's a certain there's a certain small town vibe to them it's about people um you know dealing with their sort of their lives in a small town or maybe the mo the nobody who the, the you know the uh, analog for the invisible man wanders into a small town yeah um yeah they're they're, they're all his his 
written and drawn ones are just great. I love all those. But like you said, or you're probably about to say, yeah. he's gone on and done all the big stuff as well. He has, he? yeah. He's gone from this creator own stuff, which is like you say, it just has a certain specific mood to it. That is, a, you know, that that is so him. Um, the only other person I'd put him close to, and I think they're friends, is Matt Kent. I think they're yes. they're of a similar style somewhere. Um, he's worked at Comicsology Originals, so if you can Snow Angels with Jock, I think that's just come out. The first or either zero zero issue in the first issue, I think it's just about come out. Um, and Gary Hill tipped me off to that because you can read that for free. If you've got yeah to Amazon Prime, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you think of it, man? Did you, have you read it yet? Or yeah. I did. I read both the uh, sort of short story version and then the comic version done by Jock. And I was sort of like, yeah, I was really intrigued. That seems great. I mean, it's a, it's a change um, of tack for him. It's a sort of post-apocalyptic frozen world story. Yeah, they're but racing it's great. down a, a gap between glaciers or something like that. Is it, I think yeah, I, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it's quite quite bleak as well. And back in the snow. Look at that. Back in the snow again. More, more snow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a dark Horse, he's done the Black Hammer universe. Go back, a, go back about eight months in the episodes and you'll find a special that we did on that and um one. sorry mate episode one of this very podcast of course it is yeah yeah yeah, Black Hammer. yeah me and uh, the Foutmeister. um yeah, exactly um it's um really cleverly done um and humorously also has a crossover with the justice league at one point which yes, is just, I know. <laughs> yeah, how did that work um yeah. i have to say um barbalian is, is out is sort of is out at the moment i think it's on about issue four and that's an incredibly um interesting read that deals with the attitudes towards gay people in i'm gonna say california in america right. in the 80s and it's incredibly well done like really interesting um I'm I'm going to mess this up, but I think the Stonewall riots it it reflects oh, that. Oh yes, yes, it, of course. Reflects yeah. the time of um, Milk and all these sort of film, you know these characters. Yeah. Um, really interesting. Um, Berserker Unbound was with Mike Diodato, which I haven't read yet, but I have an order. I got the hardback on order. Um, he's done. He's been hugely prolific at Image. So we've had Descender and Ascender. Um, AD After Death stuff, which he did with Scott Snyder, um, who broke my heart this week with his ridiculous kickstarting tactics. Um, Royal City, which he also drew. Gideon Falls, which is with Andrea um, Sorrentino, who he works with regularly, um, which is, I think, in production as a series again at the moment. And Family Tree with Phil Hester feels great, and I think their styles mesh really well. Um, Marvel, so All New Hawkeye, um, Extraordinary X-Men with Humberto Ramos, um, Old Man Logan, which was probably one of my favourite books of his, that is um, a, uh, an IP character. Really well done, like really cleverly done. Uh, Moon Knight, he did one of the series of that. <coughs> I mean... Uh, Inhumans vs. Sex Men, Century Volume 3. <laughs> um, right. DC Comics. You, Sorry, mate, go on. Name it. He's, I was going to say, you name it, he's written it. It really is getting that way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, DC Comics, Animal Man, he did in the New 52. You must have read that. I can see that being up your street, man. I haven't actually, no, but I've, I remember the covers. I should pick that up, actually. Yeah. That ran parallel with the Scott Snyder um, Swamp Thing. And yeah, both yeah. both interesting. Yeah, both really good. Um he did one of my favourite ones, um Frankenstein Agent of Shade, which I think is where I first heard about him or really paid attention to him, I think. And I reread the first few issues of that this week and it's really good. Justice League Dark, um, which has got John Constantine in, my son's one of my son's favourite books. He did Green Arrow, that was again with um Andrea Sorrentino, uh did some Constantine comics, did Future's End, Teen Titans Earth One, Deaths of Vic Sage, um The Question, which is amazing. With Dennis Cowan on pencils and Bill Sinkovich on um, inks, and his 
brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think wow. if there was ever a continuation of the Denny O'Neill series, which was outstanding, they really they really pulled that off in the um black label, DC black label stuff. I think it's just been collected into a hardback. I'd recommend it, I really do. Um Right. And then obviously Sweet Tooth he did with Vertigo and now Sweet Tooth is returned with um Black Label as well. Um I don't know where the dude gets time to draw because I mean <laughs> where does he get time to draw these uh standalone graphic novels that he does? He is the small press guy who's made it to the big time, isn't he? Yeah. Uh or he's the ice hockey guy. He makes it from the uh yeah. the minor league from the Grizzlies or whatever they were called. He's gone up to the NHL, isn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's made it to the big time. Um, amazingly prolific. Sounds like still, you know, a great guy as well in interviews. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's written all these big characters. And then he, t- from time to time, he goes away and writes one of the, and draws his own graphic novels. Um, and, and, would, and they're just so beautiful. Yeah, and they suddenly come out. I remember when um, Frog Catchers, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I thought, oh. Well, I'm just going to buy that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a couple of quotes from him. He says, "Quote: He says drawing keeps me sane. Um, he needs to do four or five hours a day drawing just to keep him sane." So he, he he describes his working week as thus. He says he he draws all day, and then he writes scripts in the evening. So these great scripts that he's doing for other books, you know, like Green Arrow, which is great, and uh, Black, you know, Black Hammer. He's sort of writing on the side a bit almost. Um, I- Astonishing, and Black Hammer is such because uh, I have read that one. It's such a fun title, taking on those sort of familiar comic characters and tropes and putting them in this weird world and giving everything a slight twist. That just so it's such great fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, um, and there's but a... yeah, he's amazing. You know, and getting television, picking up yeah, you know, television you versions of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's um, he says. Uh, he has to he has to, what he he's, he's talks a bit about i think maybe he's a bit nervous where he shouldn't be about losing his his ability to draw because he says if i don't draw for a couple of weeks i almost feel like i'm having to start from the beginning again and he throws right. himself back into sketchbooking before he then draws something which i think he, i think he's just misjudging his own ability which often you know keeps people let's keeps people sane and grounded um yeah the um he doesn't reread any of his old stuff he says it's the, just the joy of creating that keeps him going. And, and I know we both listened to the uh, the Word Balloon interview prior to this. And um, throughout it, he keeps saying, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, that's out this week, that is. So it's, it was just like bang, 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 constantly books coming out, constantly books coming out. You know, it's brilliant, really. It's, yeah. it's a, it is brilliant, you know, that he's able to still do both, to write for the big two um, and still able, you know, he's still drawing and doing his own stuff that comes out. And he's not tied to any one publisher. He seems to be an equal opportunities uh, creator. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I I find him, uh, I admire him so much. We've talked about a few creators on this podcast that we really admire, like Bill Waterston's sort of genius, but also his artistic purity of his vision. And Jeff Lemire, he's just, you know, to use that old French and Saunders phrase, he's got it all, is not he? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, he's... um. And also very well-crafted hair. Whenever I see him in an interview, yeah, he looks very nice. Yeah, good. this is coming from someone who looks like Stigger the Dump on the best days of his life. But yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a reference for all the kids. Stigger yeah, the Dump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Essex County, but he describes as thirty percent real and seventy percent fiction. Um, and he says the realness is where it connects on an emotional level. So yeah, and it's his own story filtered through fiction 
from an emotional level yeah, yeah. creates metaphors for real stories um creates fictionalized versions of himself and then heightens the reality which i think is kind of what we were saying wasn't it really i think you know and, and that's why it connects to us um and, and we were talking last time about you know comic being comic fans and being that giving you that slight uh outsider edge and this is you get that feeling about lester in the first book who's obsessed with superheroes that jeff lemire was a bit like that he was the guy who was into comics as well as hockey and uh i think in, in the collected edition he thanks his parents for letting him you know encouraging him oh, to nice. yeah to just keep drawing and living um, in his own head in, in essentially in a way exactly yeah, yeah. And he does thank a few other people like Christaris, um, but I think Matt Kint as well. Okay. I think does you know Matt Kint helped with a lot of the, the design of the graphic novels. I think. Uh, oh, that's nice. Possibly, tonight. I don't know with the the sort of look and feel of the books. I think he did uh, mention him a few times. Oh, cool. Good. So we'll move on to Ghost Stories, which is the second one, um, which is more of a soap opera, isn't it? In a way, I suppose. Is that a good way to describe uh, it? Yes, yeah, so this is the story of two brothers. Again, it's a nice hockey story. Um, and they both play ice hockey for, a, I suppose, a minor league Canadian hockey team in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, but one of them's got a wife and um, basically, without giving too much away, there's something happens between the brother and the wife and uh it just it's a soap opera look at their life as they grow old and time passes there's a lot of time in these books particularly the second and third volumes yeah there is isn't there? and the character who's telling the story lou i think is one of the brothers he's an old man and he's sort of telling the story in flashback but he's also he's not only is he stone deaf, but he's also starting to lose he's getting cognitive impairment he's starting to lose it yeah it and so his memories get jumbled and sometimes he's it's not so much that he's remembering things it's almost like he's reliving them um as he goes through what's left of his life uh yeah so it's it's the longest the biggest of the three books really isn't it yeah and it's very hockey orientated yeah uh very toronto and uh, there's some marvelous moments in it i noticed when i was rereading it had jeff lemire pulls back the camera and does a sort of um, pulls out to a wider, wider shot. The one looking down on the Toronto and then you see the character Lou sort of spread eagled over the map of the city is fantastic. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, impressionistic almost, isn't it? Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, it's a denser story telling technique as well for me. So not only do we get a lot more characters put into the pages, but they've also got a lot more to say. There's, um, it's almost that he approaches it in a different way to me from a writing perspective. He he approaches it in the way of, well, this man comes in and tells this story and he's talking to him and he replies like this, rather than uh, it was a much more open feeling to the first story somehow. Um, an airy story. Because you've got a kid who don't talk, I suppose, but, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got a... Uh you've got a little story and connections in the first one that you have to work out. Here, I think it's fairly obvious... Um, it's slightly more direct story. And as you say, there's a lot of people coming in and talking to other people and explaining things. Um, and then you sort of figure it all out towards the end. And then the brothers who haven't spoken to each other for 25 years. Yeah. There's a terrible accident involving the wife and the daughter. Uh, uh, and um, 
the brothers end up back together again on the farm back in Essex County, uh, growing old together and sort of sniping at each other. But also there's a sort of there's a still a brotherly affection between them. And it gets yeah, it's very you know, palpable, that isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. The um, I love the scenes of personality because I mean, sportsmen now. I'm not, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but you know I follow the odd game of rugby in here. They seem to be a little bit um, more anodyne. You know, there's a they're a little bit of a you know of a type now. Sportsmen back back then, you can see these hockey players you know smoking between you know halves of the game between quarters or whatever they have in that game, or you know having a swig of whiskey before they go on the ice. And there's a there's a roughneck version to them, isn't there? I think. And there's also that, um, I don't know if you remember that Lindsay Anderson film, The, the Sporting Life, yes. with Richard Harris. Yeah. There's a sort of semi-professional sportsman vibe to it, that it isn't, it isn't Ronaldo football glamour, you know. Yeah. It's, not, it's not all fast cars and fast women and, and nightclubs. It's real sort of grimy, uh, the dressing room's, a mess it stinks you know there's a sort of uh, they always say that about when overseas players come to play for british football clubs you know we'll wait until they get to a wet wednesday evening in middlesbrough you know <laughs> yeah and the, yeah the bar in the club you know in the the club they're playing in and stuff like that yeah 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 i had a drink in the late and orient bar a couple of years ago and that's the same you know right yeah someone yes. coming at half time for with a meat raffle or something and they're thinking what am i doing exactly. here yeah 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 um so they're a minor league hockey club and you think that you know i think he describes it at one point the players who are never going to make it the players who almost made it the players who are on the way down you know who are still trying to grind out a living from playing this sport um it's it's not the big leagues it's minor league it's it's tough and then of course he gets he gets injured, his knee blows out, and he ends up being a uh, driving a streetcar in Toronto for the rest of his career. Yeah, well, uh, almost the rest of his career. Doesn't he? Doesn't he end up back on the ice? Is that right? He does. He he. I think towards the end of it, he goes back on the ice to teach hockey to kids. That's right. Uh, and to sort of clean the ice while. and stuff like that. He's the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that moment. I have to say, uh, I think I, the page where his knee goes out is really nicely done. I think. That black, the black and white works so well in that, and the, the movement he um, Lemire gives him as that breaks. I think is it like page two two one or something like that. I think um, yeah. I really like that page. And then yeah, there's a there's a touching aspect to. I mean, he's a bit of an old grumpy bastard, isn't he? This bloke. But yeah, you do. Warm it's interesting that he's the central character. He's he's grumpy. He's deaf. He's he's quite sort of misanthropic in a way. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but you do sort of warm towards him. Um, while we're talking about hockey, I'll mention there's a scene uh, earlier on in the book where the two brothers are playing together and they're a great combination on the ice and um, they set up a goal and he scores an ice hockey goal and the brother dives across the ice and it's a recreation of a famous Canadian um, sporting photograph of a hockey player called Bobby Orr, I gather. Oh, OK. Uh, right. It's a famous moment, you know, it's... Um, we wouldn't recognise it because we don't really know that much about ice hockey. But yeah, I don't know if you can hear that noise. That's the noise so, of Sarah Harris screaming at her, her phone. 
because okay. uh, she's a huge ice <laughs> hockey fan. I'm, I've never right. asked her this, but I, I actually suspect because she loves this book so much, I actually suspect it may be because of this book. But I'm I'm probably putting words into her mouth there. But uh, yeah, she's she she. I think there is something of a following in this country, isn't there? I think people do do kind of dig it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think a couple of the universities yeah. got a team. I know Swindon have got a team and these sort of places. But yeah. Okay, it's a sport I wouldn't like. We talked about slap shot before we started recording, didn't we? It's a, you know, yeah. is, there's a, it's only ever made it over here for me as a kid. Is that and the, the Mighty Ducks or something? Yeah, it's a, yeah the Mighty Ducks, <laughs> quack quack. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Now let's talk a little bit about the art style. Um, how, how would you describe it? Because if it would. <laughs> It's of a style where it probably wouldn't be the first comic I would put in someone's hands because they'd go, "What's all this?" You know. But it's we. Uh, uh, I don't know if our comic reading eye allows us to interpret things and to recognise the smallest little flourish that makes a personality a personality, you know, or a feature a feature. Um, it's um, very loose, isn't it? In a way, often it is very loose. I've I've used the word scratchy. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's all black and white. Um, he puts occasionally in some of his books, he puts like a color wash or a sort of watercolor on some of them. Um, but this is all black and white, yeah. scratchy. The characters um, have little, literally just like little circles for eyes. Some of the men have these greatly huge broken noses. Bonkers, yeah, uh, really have. Like, yeah. yeah, they really do, don't they? Yeah. Um, the kids are small and skinny. His women are sort of strangely gangly with the country nurse's hairstyle, which, as you say, is just so instantly recognisable. And you look at it and think it shouldn't work, but it works so perfectly to tell yeah. these stories. And the other thing I noticed reading it again this time was that his background detail, some of his architectural stuff is amazingly good. Okay. Yeah. Filling in the cities and the buildings in the backgrounds. Um, I'm looking at the page where he draws the sort of hockey arena, and it's so good. And then you've got these scratchy little figures um, on the ice. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of heavy inks so, as yeah. well, isn't there? He uses a lot of blacks in some scenes. Um, and there's a sadness to the... Even though they're just often just eyes with wrinkles, you know, especially in some of the older people, there's a sadness to a lot of these people, isn't there? There really is in their, yeah, in their faces. You can see it in their faces, these people who've had relatively you know tough lives scraping out an assistance existence on a farm in essex county and then there's all this tragedy that happens and you see it on these faces and these eyes um and he does it with you know not many strokes on the face and then these heavy inks around the hair and on the clothing and so on yeah uh, or in the background and it's it's amazing really how much emotion the characters because there's panels of just characters staring out of the, at us from yeah. the, the page without any dialogue yeah. and yet you can tell there's an awful lot of stuff going on yeah you really can can't you um, and there's a couple he uses like you say in the first one we had the the little insert of the kids comic he uses in this middle one he uses almost like a scrapbook so we get a section where the the old dude is down in his basement going through you know he's beginning to lose his mind a little bit and he remember his memories going and he's got a scrapbook and it's full of pictures of him with his you know brother and you know the triumphs and you know the, the stuff that's happened on the ice and letters to each other and letters to his mum and stuff and uh, yeah it's quite a nice little moment that and it it doesn't it's not just like one page i think it's like 12 13 pages something like that it's quite a long yeah, little sequence yeah it goes on all these newspaper clippings and everything yeah 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 um 
It's a nice little touch that. I mean, I, I remember my father when I, my father kept some clippings of some stuff that I'd had at work and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice to find that thing sort of thing. It's a, it's quite a touching moment. But he he spends the book pulling on your heartstrings, Lemire, doesn't he? He doesn't, yes, he doesn't let up on you, does he? Yeah. No. <laughs> and there's another scrapbook that turns up at the end of the third volume that the nurse finds yeah. to give to. Uh, uh kenny to give to lester so it sort of ties you back to the first book but yeah he does that this scrapbook technique um it's quite i mean yeah the first one's got the comic within the comic the second one's got the scrapbook in there yeah. um yeah interesting you know and the way he tells the story and builds up the emotion and these characters as you say staring out at us with their sad eyes and their sad faces <laughs> yeah and they've they've seen a lot of stuff haven't they yeah they really have yeah yeah it's um it's i think changing up the delivery method in a comic is sometimes does work and it has to fit into the tone of the comic and um i mean, I, I like that sort of thing occasionally we did it with um tony osmond where i just got some pals to draw some movie posters from these sort of made-up movies that he'd been in and i think it adds a little depth to it it adds you know and it and it breaks up i mean i may not necessarily have read everything in that scrapbook section but I might go back and reread, you know, the little pieces that are glued onto the page, you know. But uh, from a sort of visually uh, an iconic impression it gives you of, well, oh, yeah, well, he was doing quite well. He, you know, and he does remember it. And someone did take care to put all this in a scrapbook. It, it says a lot without saying a lot, I think, sometimes. It's good stuff. Yeah, really is. I always like it when storytellers surprise us. Yeah. And they don't just say, oh, you know, the story starts here at A and we'll go to Z. But they do... A flashback or they'll put in a discovery of some documents or something or, a, or you know the scrapbook yeah uh yeah it it always that sort of stuff always impresses me in storytelling that you move around and these books move around in time quite a bit to tell the story yeah um and it's amazing how they do it and put it because i would just think oh i'll just start here and i'll go to there and that'll be the story but you know yeah it's um i like it i like the added extra material that they put yeah. in books like this. And the this. layering, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of flashbacks, the last story, um probably my second favourite. I think I think I found the, the, the middle one good but not not quite as good as this is um the country nurse sorry, is it the country? I've written county down. It's not yeah, country. it is country country nurse, yeah. Country nurse. Yeah. Um and that's an uh, almost a change again. It's a change again in approach to storytelling because this is almost um a story with a thriller structure to it so you kind of discover who someone is and there's sort of hidden secrets so there's been secrets throughout it but this one is almost there's a linchpin there's a a, a turning point in relation to this when you realize quite who she is i suppose is that right yes that's yeah. right so uh she is the nurse she is what we would call a district nurse or a uh, community nurse going around yeah. visiting people in their homes and and she visits some of the characters from the first two books and and she's got her own life she's got you know a dead husband who she goes and talks to at his grave she's got a she's got another difficult relationship with her te i think probably teenage or early adult yeah son who we never actually see he's just like the one who's she's leaving notes for him on the fridge and saying you yeah. know your dinner's in the fridge or whatever and yeah she never sees him and then there's a backstory there's a um early part of the 20th century somewhere around about, Nin I think 1917 about 19... i think it is yeah right there, there. you go yeah. 1917 where there's a nun running a convent for your orphaned kids 
and there's a sort of grizzled old I don't know what you'd call it, like a trapper, like a hunter who yeah. looks after them and <laughs> yeah. provides for them or helps them. And then there's a real yeah, thriller aspect to that. <laughs> yes, he does, yes. And there's a thriller aspect to that story as well. Um, and as she, as Jeff Lemire tells the story, you'll get a couple of reveals. You'll work out uh, all the relationships of all the various characters we've been uh, reading about. We'll also work out the story of the nun and the, and the hunter as well. Um, and again, he does that without really telling us. It's just sort of you work it out from the way he draws things and the way characters sort of talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of finishes it all off by actually literally giving us the family tree. Yeah. Um, There's the, the so, yeah. moment where where she says to the trapper, and that now she's a nun at that point. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. She says to him, "You've got a you've got to sleep in the outhouse tonight." And yeah. at that point, you th- I think. Oh, hang on. And it's almost like that. You know, he lays those little hints, doesn't he, as you go along? Yes. And then you see at one point she refers to their secret. And when she says it, she's sort of resting her hands on her belly. And then she says something about realising that she's not looking after 14 children, she's looking after 15. And you think, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Nuns weren't like that when I was at school. (laughs) Um. So that is a fantastic backstory um, told from 1917 that we sort of get. Uh, and then we get the country nurse in the modern day. And, I, I, you know, we, we've mentioned the family tree stuff. She's also, she's she's doing a quilt. Yeah. Um, That's a nice touch, actually. At, yeah. Yeah. And at the end, you get the crow pulling out of Essex County and you see this sort of patchwork of the fields around the farms. And I think in the collected edition, I think there's actually you can see her quilt that she's made yes, this patchwork right. quilt. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's nice. And um, the the crow in the in the the chapter break for that one is actually sitting on her head, pulling a hair out of her head, which I thought was just a nice yeah. little idiosyncratic kind of moment. Yeah, it's a so he's a sewing. He's so he's sort of standing there. So he's he's foreshadowing that. Yeah, no, it's it's a really nice story. You really warm to her, don't you? You really like her. She's a, she's sort of long suffering and puts up with all these grumpy people. Yeah, and all these, you know, painful people, but she does she does it with a you know, sort of sense of honour about what she does, I think, doesn't she? You know. Yes. And she yes, she is. She's a very honourable, decent person who goes around basically helping people out, uh, both with their physical ailments, but also trying to help them with their lives and, and she's she's a good person. Yeah. And then at one point she visits her grandmother in the yeah, old people's home, the oldest person in the oldest woman in Essex County. Yeah. And again, Jeff Lemire almost uses a uh, film technique by zooming in on the old lady's eyes and then pulling back out. And we're in the uh, we're in the nun's story. And you realize, yeah. oh, that's the so nun. clever, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That um, that moment with the finger bob crow over the um, over Essex County is incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just lovely, and and there's there's the river that we've seen before, and then there's the long road that the the boy walked down, and yeah, no, it's very nice. Yeah, I really do like that sort of thing. Um, added to I that, that, added to that, there's a couple of extra stories, aren't there? So we've got uh, the sad and lonely life of Eddie Elephant Ears, which is a yep. sort of which is a little bit of a foreshadowing to the nobody in a way, isn't it? I suppose it, it is. Yeah. 
very much his tryout for the nobody. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got Essex County Boxing Club, I think it's called, isn't the boxing it? Boxing Club. Yes. So that's quite fun as well. Yeah. They, uh, there you'll find those in the collected edition. Um, I can't remember where they came out. Um, no, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I, I think it, don't think it makes it clear in a couple of the entries I read about him. But yeah. Uh, There's some extra little bits and pieces that he did as like um, two-page comics or four-page comics for conventions, I know. Yeah. And there's some um, of them yeah, are in the back, the aren't they, is, as well? Yeah, They are in there as well. So there's a, there's a tale of two blokes. It's almost like an Essex County fight club where they they set up a boxing club. Yeah. And then Eddie Elephant is, who's a bandaged figure. You never see his face. And he does some clever sort of camera tricks where the nurse is changing the bandages and you never see the face. But that's, that's quite fun. It's also, again, about... Because he doesn't he have us like a special place in the tree that he goes and sits and reads. That, yeah, uh, that's right. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, no, great stuff. Uh, and the collected version is full of it. This it's absolutely chock full of like forty pages of extras. Like you said, there's a couple of little extra um, short stories. There's a couple of I, I'm guessing they're sort of piss takes on variant covers. Um, there's a Tales from the Arm cut-out action dolls where you can, you know, cut it out. And like, We used to get that in girls' comics over here, didn't we, with the, the paper doll thing, and you could put different dresses on them and stuff like that. I love those, where you would bend the tabs over and <laughs> stick it. them onto the cardboard figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's an Alex... So, yeah, there's a couple of those. Yeah, there's an Alex Robinson. There's, I think, it, to me, it doesn't credit it, but it really looks like Alex Robinson has done a cover for it. It doesn't credit him, though. That's interesting. Right. Let's find that out. I like Alex Robinson stuff. More of that coming soon. Um, a couple of sort of sketches and rough sketches and character things. An action figure that's done by my wife, Leslie Ann Green, is also a sculptor and doll maker. She made a Lester action figure, which is great. I'd buy that. That's a brilliant... Yeah, yeah, really good. So he's there. He is an action figure with you know with his gloves and the cape and the mask and these uh the chickens that he's supposed to be he's always been bollocked feeding, for not feeding that's yeah. His chores. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. the uncle's always saying have you fed those chickens yeah, yeah. and jeff lemire says um he is my most prized possession oh nice yeah uh, yeah and our old friend jeffrey brown does a does a, a, a pin-up as well for it in sort of typical jeffrey brown's kind of way and yeah it's full of stuff really nice stuff um i've i've why I hadn't read this, I was, just, I was just, I think occasionally um, the expectation of it stops me reading, watching, whatever, consuming something, you know. And um, yeah. so many people had said to me, it's amazing, it will make you cry, it's brilliant, you know. And I thought, oh, I need to put this off till I'm in the right frame of mind. And it was 10 years later that you made me read it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. And I'm just reading the acknowledgements at the back of the digital collected edition. He says, I would like to thank Chris Starus and Brett Warnock. Uh, and a big thank you to Matt Kint for his amazing book design and friendship. And uh, he has a few others, Rob Venditti, Jeffrey Brown, Darwin Cook. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Robert Venditti so, yes. is one of my favourite writers. I love his writing. He's one of the best writers DC's got. I don't know why they don't give him more. He did the Hawkman stuff. And yeah, yeah, he's really good as well. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. That made me rethink something we'll talk about in a minute, but I think I think I'll stick with what I've got. Good. We'll talk okay. about that in a sec. Um good. Thanks for that man. Good choice, as always. Um we we we'll switch over before we um we end and we get um a mention from the cult leader. We'll um we'll just have a quick chat about you. So I've been um you've been putting out a lot of product recently. Did you do three podcasts in a week the other day? Did that happen? I did, yes. <laughs> 
Yes, it did happen. I put out three episodes in a week. Um, that was to tie in with Tony Foster's comic scene, I Love Comics Digital Convention that he ran on Facebook. Oh, uh, well, I, well, I went to the Pat Mills talk for that one. Yes, yeah. they had a Pat Mills talk, and he set me up with the opportunity to talk to Julia Round again. Oh, cool. Yeah, so she's the yeah. scholar and academic who writes about Misty girls' comics. And, and now uh, writes Misty as well. Uh, well, she's written she's written some uh horror comics for fanzines they haven't got to write for for rebellion yet oh, that's I, think right. I heard her saying like hint hint you know if he's listening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then they also tony foster also set me up for half an hour with john m Burr. yes here we go this was great yes yeah who's a great artist he's in his 80s now but he's still churning out stuff for uh, 2000 ad and of course he's done so much stuff he did a long run on nikolai dante for 2018 but he used to write i uh, used to draw look-in comics and stuff like that and also yep. he did a lot of newspaper strips here we go he did modesty blaze back in the 60s come on say it you, um, know, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was the artist on a long-running newspaper strip in the sun newspaper over here in the uk called george and lynn which i think was occasionally subtitled as the liberated couple which was a <laughs> subtitle with a double meaning um because and if you go to my website bring george and lynn back.com the uh yeah it's uh it's a, I, I absolutely love his art he's a great man and i tell you what he god bless him he is 80 and you can tell but you brought him around really i was really impressed with that interview dude because there's a couple of moments where I think because he just didn't agree with you, he just said, "No, nah, that's not right," you know. But you you yeah. brought him you brought him round. I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed that interview. I was listening to that um, a couple of days ago. I messaged you while I was listening to it. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah. And I said, I said, I did say I'm asking for a friend about George and Lynn, and I was specifically thinking of you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two of the original um, stri uh, strips now myself. Yeah, so good. Have you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, there was. Um, I can't see it coming back anytime soon, and perhaps maybe for the right reasons, but it was enjoyable at the yeah. time. I, it was, I remember yeah. thinking as a kid, what's all what's this? Why is she in her underwear again? You know, but there you go. Why, why have they never got any clothes on, the pair of them? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why is she always bending over like she's about to play a game of pool? Yeah, you know. Exactly, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> um, good. So that's, that's brilliant. The... Um, there is a rumour going around that you might be a future guest on another podcast, which I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down with you and you enjoying the, uh, hopefully joining in the, uh, the the violent and rude mess that is the ACP on occasion. So I have been, uh, I have had the honour of being asked to be on the ACP and hopefully I will be. I'm a bit busy at the moment, but hopefully that will be coming up at some point on the ACP feed. Looking forward I'll to see that, if man. I can keep it up with the three amigos. <laughs> the um, And the other thing I'm really interested in is your... Um, your upcoming course so yes when does that start is that, i'm guessing september is it or end of september 21 i will start a master's in comic studies at the university of east Anglia, and i'm going to try and sneak you into a lecture yes yeah or two if they if they've actually happened yes we, me absolutely. and you can sit at the back and shout things <laughs> like that's wrong loudly at the uh no you're not going to invite me now are you but the uh yeah the, do you know uh, who well, uh, do you know who any of the lecturers are or any of the guest speakers are anything like that or the only one I know is that Julia Round has done a, 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 a guest lecture for them this year. So she may turn up. She's at Bournemouth University, obviously, but she may um, be there as well. And I did say I would tell you the story about um, the yeah, uh, about sneaking people into lectures at the uh, oh, medical yeah. school. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah. So back, 
This is back in the early 80s. I went to uh, Leicester Medical School, which was because Leicester Medical School was only founded in the 1970s. So they were very new and very progressive. Okay. And they by by that, they I meant they would try and teach us about sociology and psychology and what they called um, man in society. I don't think you get away with that. Yeah. Title now, actually. But uh, um, and one of the things they did was they had a lecture on human sexuality, which was going to include um, film. Okay. Right. And we there were 100 people in my year at medical school and the lecture theater that this was going to take place in probably sat about 250 people. Right. So we went to that day for this lecture with these films about human sexuality and the lecture theatre was packed. <laughs> there was probably 300 people in there. <laughs> and the lecturers were very good because they said, now afterwards we'll be breaking down into small groups. We're delighted to see so many of you here today. Please feel free to come and join us in the discussion groups afterwards after you watch the films. Um, <laughs> was it the classic, oh, look, they're playing volleyball or, you know, like badminton <laughs> naked, those sort of movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was along those lines. But yes, our, the, the, uh, the number of people in the lecture theatre suddenly swelled to over 200 people that day. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... Um... Yeah, well, let's hope that they're a bit like that. There's got to be a sexuality in comics. I mean, we keep meaning to do an erotic comics episode. I keep badgering right. Vince. As the last one we had, I can't remember the name of the lady on, but it went a little bit off the rails. Um, right. Yeah, more to her fault. Not that I was trying to be polite, obviously. Uh, but yeah, no, it sounds really good, man. Okay, yeah, and um, it's just I'm a year, though, is it? Is it a year? It's just a year course. It's a master's in a year, and I shall report back to the ACP about it at some point in the future. And yeah, um, you need to do an episode about George and Lynn. We do, um, we really do. Yeah. yeah. Is it is um? Do you have to write this? Excuse me for not knowing. Bear in mind, I work at university. Do you have to write a dissertation in a master's or? Yes, I believe I will have to. You yes. got any ideas? Yeah. Or? Uh, I've been thinking about some of the sort of intersection between medicine and comics. Okay, and there's quite a bit of that going on, isn't there? Of disease in comics yeah and there's quite a bit of work about that already and there's a you know there's some guys who do the graphic medicine uh, yes, website and comics Doctor by ian williams and stuff yes yeah. exactly there's that yeah and i've read those um so they're great stuff so i've been thinking maybe of something along those lines um although you know the george and lynn project might take off yeah, as well a, yeah. i think that's a goer the or she yeah. was anyway but the <laughs> the the bad doctor i remember reviewing that and actually being slightly taken aback that whilst he didn't name anyone he sort of did talk quite openly about people's private problems. <laughs> right. I did remember saying to John John Freeman, "Is this quite right, John? Is he meant to do this?" Are you allowed to do yeah, this? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I went and did a comic about prostitutes. So I suppose is yeah, there is that. You know. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Right. Um, look at us almost exactly on time for a change. Um, now, for those that don't know, March is um, the year anniversary of this. Believe it or not, it started off as thinking oh, i'll do it for a couple of months for the um lockdown and the lockdown has continued um and here we are still in it we're still here yeah um as the lockdown still doing it thank goodness <laughs> yeah well the lockdown's looking to go on till i don't know june or something um and i'm going to sort of decide whether i'm going to take it on after that i kind of admire your bi-weekly format i mean i think that's kind of manageable um yeah but um we'll see what happens but to celebrate the year, um, I had a chat with Eamon, had a chat with a couple of the other guys who are sort of regular hosts, and what we're going to do is Tony's Challenge. So rather than the guests coming on and saying what they want to talk about, I've sort of decided I'm going to be selfish and pick a couple of 
a couple of comics for the guys to talk about and um, have a look at and they're all they're all comics that are sort of easily easily available um and bearing in mind you're doing this course i thought i'd choose something that to me is um stone cold classic a bit of a, a very um representational of the way that comics were heading at the time and um and, and a really and a really good a really good comic in its own own sense and i'm gonna i was gonna challenge you to read the fantastic four number 51 this man this monster oh right okay yeah of course have you read that one fantastic. before yes i have good good yeah i would love oh absolutely so, yeah no that's a that's a gem absolutely brilliant yeah and the, and again yeah you chose me to... for you as well i think for, for you like you like the um uh the, the the sort of human nature side of things the sort of the reactions to things whilst it you know whilst by a man who made a stone we won't ruin everything but he has a, hu- a very human reaction to what happens and it's understandable and it's uh i think it's the the boat i think it's kirby and, and the work in their best work for me in that issue i think it's, it's incredible possibly the best thing story i've ever read but yeah that yeah. oh wow that's a great one Tony. Yeah. i look forward to that yeah, that's tony's one. top trumps <laughs> challenge Eamon. Uh, okay we'll be oh I won't tip it off then. We'll be back talking about Fantastic Four. Good. Good stuff, man. Good. And where can people find you and where can people find uh, the Mega City Book Club podcast, which is uh, on fire at the moment, man. Really good stuff. Yeah, even Vince's episode was outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) So Vince was on talking about Frankenstein. Yeah. And uh, Death Wish. That's great. Uh, Megacitybookclub.com is where you'll find the podcast. It comes out every two weeks. Although again, I've been putting out some extra issue, uh, extra episodes. There's some extra going to be coming out in the next week oh, okay. about the 2000 AD audio books that they just released. Oh, I've pre-ordered them, so I'm hoping they just come out, haven't they? Is that right? Literally just come out this week, the early part of March 21. Um, they've done America, they've done Judge Dredd the Pit, they've done The Horned God, yeah. they've done Brink, and they've done Ballad of Halo Jones. So I've recorded an episode about America. And I'm hoping to record an episode about Halo Jones audiobook with my daughter Jenny, and I'll oh, get those nice. out as bonuses. And then next week, coming up on the pod, I've got um, Mike Collins, oh, yeah, the Doctor Who and Marvel and DC comic artist who now does storyboards for the Doctor Who TV series. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, as well as storyboarding, I think, his Dark Materials, which is on TV as well. And he did Apollo. I don't know if we, Have you ever reviewed Apollo I on the ACP? I have, but we know the guys who did it because they did something with Shaky Came before that that we had them on for. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Mike Collins drew Apollo, which is basically, it's, it's the story of Apollo 11. And uh, so he talks about that. That's coming up on the podcast next Sunday. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, Mike's a nice guy. I did a panel with him at Leamington. Um, right. Uh, not Leamington. Uh, True Believers in Cheltenham. And um, oh, right. and all we did was just natter on about Bronze Age comics. It was nice. You know, he's, he's been about for years, Mike, isn't he? He's a, he's a journeyman. He knows what he's doing. He, he never turns in a bad panel, I think. That's, that's how I see Yeah, think. he's great. Yeah. And he, he ought to get really get more attention yeah. because he's just so good. Oh, he's done The Flash. Yeah. He's done Spider-Man. He's done Star Trek Voyages. Um, yeah, loads of stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. And he's drawn loads of Doctor Who. And, yeah, he did Slane. I mean, you know, Pat Mills lets you do Slane. You know, yeah. You know, you know you've... Because Pat's very particular about his artists, isn't he? he? Is. So yeah, fantastic. So that's coming up next week. Megacitybookclub.com yeah. for all your uh, podcasting needs, apart from never iron anything and the ACP. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. But the um, just just a quick one, an aside. Um, there, I know um, when he came on to Doctor Who, 
they, he was a breath of fresh air because they had previously used a comic artist who we both know, I won't name, who would just turn up with things drawn on a napkin. Um, oh, right. And Mike Collins came in with, like, prepared to work, prepared to be a professional, and everyone, because everyone, a friend of mine used to work in design on Doc 2, and he says, thank God for Mike Collins. <laughs> I think everyone decided. The uh, Yeah, he's a class act, I think. Good stuff, man. Good. There's that thing that Neil Gaiman says about how to break into comics that you know you can be there's three things you can be good you can be a nice person or you can be reliable and you've got to be at least two of those three (laughs) and mike collins i think he's all three of them actually yeah he's a rare bird isn't he yeah 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 so good stuff man excellent and we've got episode 300 coming up of the um acp soon so watch this space we'll be making announcements that we're going to try our best to do a live episode um so to watch out, watch to see how that goes. Um, we've got some drink and draws coming up. If you if you can join the ACP Facebook page, um, and otherwise head over to neverironanything.com. There's a few reviews going up on there this week. Um, I've um, I've stopped taking commissions. Um, um, sorry, I've, I've stopped taking review review copies because um, I was just getting the same old thing through, guys, uh, and I wanted to discover. I think I think we were stuck in a bubble um, of reviewers' guilt and reviewing the same thing so i've got some really interesting stuff that i've sourced mostly from america at the moment coming up which i think you'll dig um not least of which was uh, dynamite diva which i reviewed last week so that's a good that's a good book as well so stay tuned thanks simon another great one mate look forward to the next one um and cheers Tony. and here comes hi there my name is clef cumber you may know me as the bad boy of comics and the artist behind such filth as tony osmond is a movie star for tribute press and future shock branded for space warp. Lacking in focus, lacking in purpose, suffering from the existential despair of crushing doubt. We've all been there, my friend. I'm no stranger to being a loser like you. What? You thought I was always this way, a megastar comic artist? <laughs> no, I was a deadbeat nobody too. That was until I started a cult. And I'm recruiting free robe with every membership. Surrender your will to me and finally find the purpose you're looking for. Subservience. Don't let life beat you down, friend. Join my cult and let me do it for you. Paid for by the Cult of Q. (laughs) 